This week, we sit down with business advisor and investor Cole Humphus. Cole is the founder of Cole's Classroom, a thriving online photography education membership, so thriving, in fact, that he eventually sold it in 2019. And since then, he's devoted himself to helping other businesses break through plateaus and achieving growth in their own businesses. You can learn more about Cole at colehumphus.com. And be sure to check out the show notes for more resources. Also, quick apology for my audio at the beginning of this episode. Not sure what happened, but it's only off for the intro and it improves for the actual interview. Ryan joins me for a few quick thoughts before we dive in. You're listening to the Stuff Marketers Say podcast. Be sure to download now. The price increases to $9.97 starting tomorrow from start to scale and beyond. All right, Ryan, what an episode. So you've listened to it now. What do you think? Yeah, man, that was a good one. I love these type of episodes where it's sort of the storytelling, but then also just tons of nuggets buried in there and Cole just sharing his experiences and what he's learned. I feel like in general, you know, just very interesting, his story, just it's the sort of story where when I picture like success and what I want my businesses over the life cycle of it to look like, it's like, man, if I could just do what Cole's done, then this is great. And so I think just to hear it from someone that has been there and done that over the past 10 years or so. I mean, just to glean from his his learnings is super valuable. So I think in this episode in particular, you hear him share uh, specifics to his situation, but then he breaks those down into real general principles that can apply to a lot of different businesses. So I think that's really cool to be able to take those big principles, think about them, digest them, and think about how it's going to affect your business in 2021 in particular with all the the changes that are coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And what's so interesting too is listening to somebody who's had a successful exit from their business and that perspective, because I mean, it's great hearing just from people who are running awesome businesses as well, but I think it's a whole nother ballgame, you know, to actually be able to sell and exit a business and have a business that's sellable and what that looks like, a business that, you know, you can step away from, hand over ownership to somebody else and it still runs and, and succeeds. So that's, I mean, just uh, fascinating to me in general. I know he talks about that. We don't get into that so much in this episode, of course, but some of the things that really stick out to me, and I feel like anytime I have a conversation with Cole, and this is something I mentioned in the episode, there's just, you know, I walk away with that, you know, buzzing with ideas, just even on maybe one thing that he said, and just this idea of getting people to take action. And I think that how true that is, right, from no matter what you're selling. I mean, he's talking about it in the context of membership, of course, where not only do you have to get people to sign up, but you have to get people to to stay there. But I think that's just so important in any sort of online program or product that you provide, right? So then just starting to think about what that looks like. Because, I mean, both of us run uh, other digital businesses, right? And, you know, I... Like, do you have to deal with refunds? Because I know, or not refunds, but occasionally you have to deal with, yeah, people asking for a refund for, for something or a chargeback or something like that. So getting people, you know, it's not good enough, I think, just to sell something. You want to sell something that people actually use and appreciate. Yeah, totally. The it, It's getting harder and harder to make cheap, easy money, especially on Facebook. So it's all about providing that value. And yeah, providing that really solid customer experience, you know, whether they're a customer already or if you're just providing that value up front um, in hopes of getting them to become a customer. So, yeah, Cole hits on a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I would argue it's it's almost impossible to make cheap, easy money on Facebook uh, anymore. Maybe somebody slides through the cracks here and there, but and a whole nother episode that we're going to record. And I can't wait to actually 
pick your mind about, which is all of these additional privacy updates that are that Apple's rolling out that's going to make it harder for Facebook. And we touch on this a little bit in the episode and, and kind of what we have to do to combat this, you know, just in, in terms of getting back to the basics of marketing. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of this Apple stuff, yeah, they're saying, oh, it's good for privacy and maybe it is. But I think who it hurts are the smaller businesses, right? Like Coca-Cola, they're still going to have a budget for advertising and they don't have to maybe take quite as targeted approach as, you know, somebody like us does in order to reach people who are, you know, qualified to to invest in their product or service. So really interested in hearing his perspective on that as well. Yeah, totally. I think he just, he hammers home the point that you've got to get back to the basics. You know, the basics never change through all the ebbs and flows of privacy and all the other changes that Facebook throws our way from time to time as marketers, that the basics are always, they're always your fundamentals. You can always go back to those. So having those strong, sound fundamentals, that's how Cole built his businesses and had his success. So I think it's really cool to hear that from him and just remember the importance of those in our businesses today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, pump for everybody else to hear this. So we, with, you know, without further ado, we will kick the conversation over to Cole and let you all listen to that. Uh, so much good stuff there. You know, the things that Ryan and I just mentioned, but in addition to that, talking about building out your product suite, how business has changed from, you know, when he got started back in, I forget, you know, the specific dates he mentioned, but 2010, 2012, somewhere in there to now 2020, 2021. So really interesting conversation. As always, if you have additional questions, additional comments, let us know. Send us a DM on Instagram at till.agency or comment on the show notes. Well, Cole, welcome to Stuff Marketers Say. We are really excited to chat with you. Both Jesse and I have known you for quite some time, Jesse uh, longer than I have. And we've had conversations in the past before, and I always walk away wide-eyed like, oh, there's always at least a nugget in a conversation I have with you where I'm like, oh man, I'm going to have to think about that for a while. So I'm excited to share that with our listeners. So thanks for spending the morning with us. You betcha. Always a pleasure. uh, Anytime talking shop with both of you guys. So today we are going to talk, probably, we're going to probably talk about a few different topics here, but one of the things that we're going to talk about is going from zero to 10,000 members, something that you were successfully able to do somewhere in there. I'd love to talk about even just going from that, making that jump from six to seven figures, because I feel like there is something changes in there. And I'd love to hear your your thoughts on that. But just to give our listeners a little bit of a a background on where you've come from, could you just tell us a little bit about how you got started and, you know, what your membership looks like and what you're doing now? Yeah. So I launched Cole's Classroom back in 2012, I guess. And I essentially got started because I was frustrated when I was trying to teach myself photography, I was frustrated with how volatile the the advice I was getting. And, and what I mean by that is the temperament from any of these back then kind of old school, right? Like in, in online world, like eight years ago, sort of an eternity. So back then there was, a, it was just hard to get really good advice where people weren't like just completely combative to any newbie. So Cole's Classroom was really a response to that and really meant to be a safe haven for people, no matter where they were at in their journey. And I was sharing things that I was learning from, you know, doing wedding photography. So to sort of make this long story as short as possible, you know, the first sort of year was 100% dedicated to just putting out great content, which I still think is great advice. And the next year was essentially monetizing the email list that I had with a product. I came up with the first product idea because suddenly I realized that 
I just looked at the data and saw where all of our viewership was coming from topic wise, which was newborn photography, which was not my expertise. So I went to the person who wrote the the tutorial on our website, who was an expert and I partnered with her. Well, I didn't really partner with her. I paid her to produce a course with me. And that was our first product. That first year that we monetized organically, no ads, no nothing. It was a six figure year, which was still alongside of our corporate, my corporate finance day job and weddings. So in total, we were living decently. Back then it felt nice, even though we didn't change anything we did, but you know, I think in total, all of our jobs, we were basically making like 250K a year. We ended up knowing that we needed to quit our jobs because we were burning out. And that's when I went to a conference. And there's a combination, I think, of when you have that motivation of no longer having that safety net combined with getting some gold nuggets and just in general, like ready to just get after it. And I basically just dedicated after that conference, I needed to learn how to do ads and I needed to learn how to do a webinar. And I did both of those that year and we 10 x we more than 10 x the business. That was our first one and a half million dollar year. So I'll stop there other than to say that was kind of the first, that was kind of the first step towards, as I like to refer, sort of rapid scale growth. And what I now know to be the key is really being able to, how can you remove, is leverage, the key is leverage. How can you leverage your time? How can you leverage your money so you can grow a company very, very fast that doesn't overtake your life, right? So I know you asked, what am I doing now? I mean, you know, so I kind of want to ignore that question. So that was still back then. So we, we did the six to seven figure thing. And then we, we, we were grinding and grinding and doubled the business and we were burning ourselves out. And by we, it was really me making new products, emailing the list, doing all that stuff that us marketers do. And I knew I had to make a pivot and because I already saw ad costs was going up at a big rate. So we went all in on membership and I wish I could say it was easy. It wasn't. I've learned a crap ton along the way. We did actually launch with, you know, about 600 members, but then we kind of just flatlined for a full year and it stayed that way until... I figured out the best way to scale memberships. And luckily I did because after a few years of scaling that membership, we sold the business 18 years, 18, 18 months ago. So what I do now is I oversee growth and revenue for um, a collection, our, our portfolio of companies. Colts Classroom is one of those, as well as SaaS companies and e-commerce and, and the like. That's amazing. As far as making that jump to membership, what was appealing about, like what, what about memberships, I guess, led you to say to yourself, okay, I'm burnout right now in, you know, sort of the model. I, you know, I'm guessing it was just like course launches, essentially. Right. What about a membership model was appealing that made you think, okay, maybe this will allow me to get a little bit away from that grind? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, and I chuckled as you were asking that, because I think the appealing thing on the surface is, you know, it's so easy. I mean, I think literally every single person out there who's a course creator thinks that membership is going to be easy to sell because everyone equates content to value. And that's not true at all. Memberships are way harder to sell than one-time products because they're less specific. They're more broad. You know, it's hard to sell something that's broad. I gave an example the other day in Clubhouse. We were talking about just this and it's like, Let's say that you're a health and wellness provider and you have a suite of products. You have like 
how to lose weight, how to, how to lose 10 pounds in 30 days, program, course, ebook, whatever, it doesn't matter. And you, or you have like, be the better you membership, you know, and it covers everything from holistic health to weight loss to weight training and, and, and lifting weights and all that. Which one's going to be easier to sell with an ad? And you guys obviously know, just like I do, the importance of advertising and the importance of being able to take somebody who doesn't know you and make them a customer. So what I wanted from the membership was recurring revenue. Who doesn't? I wanted to grind less and make more. And that didn't happen. <laughs> the, the truth was, was at that time of the pivot, the business was already doing $3 million a year in, in sales. And at the time, I say that to give context, because when we launched, we basically really quickly out of the gates had like 30, 25 to 30K of monthly recurring revenue from the membership. But if we were already doing 3 million a year, that was literally, it was eight to 10% of our revenue, but it was taking 80% of my time. Hmm. So I'll stop there for a minute because what I wanted didn't exactly happen right at the onset. What did it look like growing? I mean, you launched with 600 members. I mean, what does that sort of launch look like even? I'm guessing these were mostly people from your audience of, you know, that you were selling courses to that decided to sign, sign up for this, this membership. Yeah, totally. And I mean, the launch itself was nothing different than how we would launch a typical one-time product at the time. It, this was back in early 2016. So I don't remember the details other than it was... It might have even been solely email-based. I know email was the biggest driver of that. I don't remember at the time if I also coupled it with a webinar. I think I did. That was sort of my strategy forever was to sort of launch with, sort of do a two-prong launch approach. Sometimes if it was to cold traffic, I would often lead with a webinar launch and then have email sort of clean up. But yeah, I had two price points. I, I said, hey, and, and obviously the pitch is, I pitch it now differently than I did then, but it was essentially... Like, like most people would do, here's all this amazing stuff for this low price, you know, and that works for some people. It works for some people, but for others, it doesn't really resonate with them because it lacks the specificity. You can't really, it's harder to sell with emotion. So that's only going to be hitting and moving and getting a buyer's reaction out of the more logical value driven person who totally geeks out on a library of content. But we all know one of the biggest problems being an online course provider is, is getting people to take the damn course. It's getting people to actually do the work, right? So there's so many people that they get the high from, I, I could sell them on an ad and be like, this is exactly what we need. Here's why. And I hit all the pain points. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I do. Here's my credit card. And then it's like, did you do it? No, I haven't got to. I don't have time. So, you know, one of the things that I'll just throw in here because I think it'll be a good segue into more membership talk. And what I've learned is one of the things, one of the other reasons that I wanted membership, well, one is a financial aspect and a business savvy nugget. And another one is sort of more of an emotional thing or an impact driven thing. The financial aspect was when you have rising ad costs, I knew that it was, I was watching our margins decline. We weren't at zero, but I was watching them decline, meaning not like as the business, but in general, our cost to acquire a customer on a one-time product was rising relative to the amount that we were getting, right? So that was shrinking. And I knew that a membership would give me a higher LTV, lifetime value of our customer, and help us continue to scale, period. But the other thing is I was predominantly selling presets, 
right? I mean, we sold everything, but presets were the number one thing that everyone wants. Why do they want them? Because they think it's an easy fix. It is an easy fix. But if you have crappy photos, that doesn't mean that, you know, slap, it's like lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig. So <laughs> I honestly was starting to feel bad that I was selling so many things and people weren't doing nothing with it. And what I can tell you 100% now, the greatest asset and reason and benefit to a membership is there's more significant impact that you'll have on your members, right? We have people that have been with us since that launch still, four or five years now. I have no idea if, well, I actually do have an idea. I know many of them. Many of them have gone on to do great things and others haven't. And they're still paying us four or five years later. Why? Because they, everyone gets value in different ways. And one of the beauties with memberships is the value in community and, and having their own sort of place to call home. Talking about the off membership when you started, I think that, you know, one thing, and, and I have the luxury of seeing a little bit more behind the scenes through this process with you, just, just being friends with you during that, that time. You had, I think, the luxury of having a ton of content when you launched your membership site. You had courses, you had probably a ton of courses at that point, I think five, six, maybe seven courses at that time. Um, so when you launch your membership, it, the, the value was there because you, you're getting all these courses. And I don't remember if you included all of them or just some of them, but, you know, and you said like bundling all that content, you know, if you could do that differently, uh, you do that differently now than you did then, as opposed to just kind of like showing them all of this stuff and bundling all together and getting it at this, this, low, this low price as you kind of transitioned and tried to scale that and, and saw what was working better, uh, especially for someone who maybe doesn't have seven courses and they're trying to start a membership. What kind of offer lessons have you learned along the way as you started to scale, as you got more people in there, as you just figured out what worked best when it comes to getting people into a membership? Yeah, great question. First and foremost, I had a lot of products, but I actually didn't have a lot of video courses at that time. So I actually, I think the number that pops in my head is we had, we launched with essentially eight video courses. And at that time we weren't really doing anything with, there wasn't really, I, I know we had some sort of launch bonus, but we didn't have the sophistication that we do now where it's like every month people can redeem a free product, meaning non-video course, like presets, whatever. So I, I say that because I think we had two-ish course. We had the newborn course, we had the Lightroom course. That might have been it that was already done. And I actually put together a, it was at our El Cajon house, which I know you were a frequent visitor of. And I remember, you know, I literally recorded five and six new courses with Side by Side Cinema, our friends, Jared and Danielle. So Jared came over and we literally cranked out like in one day, six new courses because I didn't feel like I had enough content. And truthfully, I didn't. So you know, first and foremost, I mean, anyone who's listening, we have to not lose sight. Like there is that happy medium. I still feel that most people overthink how much content they need, but there's still that happy medium. I wouldn't have felt comfortable charging what we charge for just, you get two courses. That That's just not realistic. So, so there's that. In terms of answering the other question, in terms of the best way to scale it, well, what I've learned is the best way to scale it is to not sell the membership. It's to sell some a one-time product that's specific, that speaks to somebody's specific pain points, problems, and then upsell the membership at that time of purchase. That being said, the if you're going to sell the membership, do it with a webinar, right? Don't just drive traffic directly to a sales page. 
I like to say people will pay you in one of two ways. They pay you with their time or their money. So there you go, right? A webinar, they're paying you with time. A smallish, you know, a different product that maybe doesn't cost as much, they're paying you with their credit card, their money. In either case, the key is that you can be specific with both. We've sold the, we, we, our membership has content that is applicable for anyone if they're just learning to use their camera and they're a hobbyist or if they're trying to make a business out of it. But we've also had multiple webinars that speak to different specific avatars, the hobbyist, the, you know, here's how to get clients. So that's sort of the trick. If there's any sort of trick that I've learned, that's the trick is don't sell the damn membership. Yeah, sell it to specific products. That's that's a fascinating that you do it that way. And so you you sell it to specific uh, products, and then you upsell with the membership. From there, I mean, and is that really how you went from six hundred to you know a thousand to thousand plus members? Is that is that the strategy that took you took you there? Yeah, I mean, I'm pausing for a minute because my memory is honestly a, a little fuzzy on those early days. I mean, what I can tell you is that I remember specifically. The first year, so all of 2016, our recurring revenue pretty much was the same. It was just flat. And, and I tried, and Jesse definitely remembers this, I tried selling it on a membership at full price. I tried all of the tricks that, I, that had already worked, right? And this is a good segue into like, at some point, us just acknowledging that making money in 2021 and 2020 and even probably 2019 is vastly different than from a difficult scale difficult difficulty love, um, level and also how. And so I was doing all the things that worked and it just wasn't working with the membership. And why? Well, because people would rather pay a one-time price than a monthly price, period, bar none. So I think what changed was, well, actually, I know what changed. It just came to me. What changed was offering a trial for $1. But there was one thing that I think I've, been able to do better than most in that particular industry. And that is how can you sell something and only collect $1 a day, but then do it at high scale and not totally lose your butt. Right? So that's a whole nother function of financial modeling and cash flow management and, and average order value. And, and luckily for me, coming from a finance background, that's a sort of stuff I geek out on. So I literally started selling the same way on a webinar. I just literally started only asking for $1 on that webinar. Yeah. I, and I'd be interested. I mean, I, I, want to, I want to get to how things are different in 2020 and 2021. I think people are asking themselves those questions, you know, and we had a good conversation even just right before this, this episode where you started alluding to that a little bit. So definitely want to get there. But I want to talk a little bit about churn first and just even going from, you know, somebody paying the first month $1 to somebody paying more than $1 the next month going forward and how you prevent people from churning just even in that, that moment, right? Like what, I guess what's stopping people from paying that $1 and then canceling, but then even beyond that, you know, I think one of the things that memberships and subscriptions always have to deal right or battle is churn. So how do you keep offering value to people and keep them there, especially when it's not like it's a SaaS product, right? It's not like, well, right. this is where I put my galleries. Mm-hmm. So what, what sorts of things did you, did you do to battle churn and continue growing month over month and not just replacing members that you've lost? 
Well, sadly, there's a lot of what you just said, replacing members that you've lost. That's just the harsh truth of my opinion. You know, if for anyone who's listening who comes from a SaaS background, it's a hard thing for them to understand because they're used to they're used to very sticky, sticky solutions. And if you're on the education side, even if you're selling courses, you don't even really understand because for the most part, you're just slanging courses and off people go. You don't have that feedback loop. In a membership program, the feedback loop is easy. It's a data. People leave, right? So, you know, I know it sadly. This is another area that I probably know better than, than most is high churn, relatively high, right? I mean, it, to be honest, our churn isn't higher than average. And a fun sort of tidbit is our churn right now is the lowest it's ever been, even though our curriculum is about the oldest it's ever been. So once again, like that's a perfect segue into using data to dictate decisions. And when I tell people, when I'm coaching and consulting people on how to build great membership sites, once again, when people can think more content is better, more content is going to get them a stick. No, it's not. If there's already enough content in there, more content is just going to make it more obvious to the people that are paying you monthly that they don't have time for the thing they're paying you for and they're ready to bounce because it's just a, a constant reminder. Yeah, it's different if it's a $10 a month thing, then maybe they just don't care because they know even if I have time eight months from now, I can now get the value, right? But if you're if people are paying you $50 a month, that's a different kind of thing. So churn, how to, the best way to get people to not churn is to get them to do something, period. What's hard is to get people to actually go learn something. What's easy is to get them to just go ask a damn question in a Facebook group. You know, so people come in for content, they stay for community only to a point. That'll buy you some time, but not forever. And I always, I've geeked out on how do I make people forever customers? And the truth is it's hard. You can take the horse to the water. You can be there, have everything on a silver platter. They still need to do something. So the way people will stay forever is when you actually can get them to get a result. So the real question that any listener needs to listen or, or think about is, what's the most frictionless way that I can get somebody a quick win? And I could say what we do, but I'm actually not going to completely divulge everything. Even though I kind <laughs> yeah, of already did. My next question was, all right, well, what, what are those things that you've noticed in your membership? But I won't go there with you because I know there's plenty other stuff for us to chat about. Just, I guess, sure. again, before we move on, and I, and I don't want to keep us here too long, but... Was there a difference in, do you think there's a difference in focus when you're in those early stages of building a membership versus when you're really trying to scale it, right? And, I, and I'd compare it to even going from $0 to six figures and then six figures to seven figures. Like, do you feel like those are basically two different stages and thus require different things that you focus on? Or should you really be focused on the same thing from the beginning? And if you do, you're going to get to seven figures faster than, than if you, you play it the other way. Well, I think it depends on the business, right? Like for anyone who's listening now, like selling slang and photography education at a lower ticket price point, that takes a lot of volume of people and to go from six to seven, where if I'm, you know, launching a, a program where I'm helping people who are already making six figures go to seven in my group coaching program or whatever we call it is $10,000 for simple math, you know, per client, then I only need one client at least a month and I got a six figure business, right? So 
So, I mean, now that that disclaimer is out of the way, at least from my experience and from all of the people that I've been able to help and just see into their businesses, yeah, it definitely changes. It, it absolutely changes. I, I, but it changes mostly, I think, less from the tactical side and more from the organizational side. And, and tactical, I guess, a disclaimer there, meaning step number one is how the hell do you get customers? Always. Like if I'm looking at a business, whether it's to partner or acquire or, or, or consult, it's like question one is how do you get customers? And the worst, in my opinion, the worst thing I want to hear is word of mouth because you can't scale word of mouth. The next worst thing is SEO because you can't scale SEO. The best thing is, is well, we run Facebook ads. You know, on average, it costs us this much. And if they don't know it, then I have to ask, well, how much are they worth, right? So my point in saying that right now is there are going to be some people that will be able to get to six figures by not running ads and just hustling themselves on Instagram stories every single day. And then they have their webinar and they launch their 297 or 597 or 997 product. And now they have a six-figure business. Heck, even back then, Cole's Classroom was a six-figure business, but without any ads. But you cannot scale your time. You cannot scale social, organic social media, SEO, or word of mouth. So really, I think it is safe to say it's damn near probably impossible to go to seven figures with just organic, unless you're a, doing very high-ticket mastermind consulting, whatever. So organizationally, infrastructure wise, that's what I think has to change. We never had like, oh, this was our six figure tactic. And then here's the seven figure tactic. And here's the eight figure tactic. It's all the same shit. Run ads to a funnel that then the people are worth more than how much you, you spent to get them. The only thing that di that's different is the number of people on your team that are needed to support that new infrastructure. And the point in that person's um that the point in the customer's journey when you actually turn get past break even that's the number one thing i think that changes when you go from and that's a mind shift change you know when if you're used to selling organically and having this list and these people that are raving fans i mean how many people have you probably even worked with that they think that they're unstoppable because you know i don't have any specifics here this is just i just know how this is like if you have a raving fan, a fan base because you've been slanging on Instagram for the last three years, you think you're unstoppable. Oh, we're going to have a million dollar business soon. It's a completely different ballgame when you start selling to people that don't know you. Yeah. This is a good segue to start talking about maybe some of the differences between selling five years ago, building a funnel five, 10 years ago, and starting a business or trying to scale your business here in 2021. You've already mentioned a couple of times, I mean, and this is something you noticed back in 2016, I think you mentioned, is that ad costs are rising. Well, here we are four or five years later, ad costs have continued to, to rise. I mean, and then factor in all of the other stuff that I think is going to just contribute to that, you know, with uh, Apple making it more difficult for platforms like Facebook to target and then, you know, increasing privacy concerns and so on and so forth. You know, one thing you mentioned even before we got on the, the episode uh, here was people just aren't one funnel away anymore, right? It's not like, yeah. you know, you yeah. build that golden funnel and then you just ride that for the next 10 years. So what are some of the differences? Like, what do you think are some of the challenges here in 2021 trying to achieve something that you did here in the, in the past couple of years? 
how would you approach that, I guess, you know, in 2021? What would be different for you? What would you focus on? Yeah, I mean, great question. I mean, I think to sum it up, the problem is, is we've lost all sense of simple arbitrage, meaning the cost to get a customer relative to how much they're worth. It was simple back then. It was simple to be one funnel away. There are so many people who were able to say, hey, I can teach something. How do I make a course? Like back then, the only sort of headache that people had was, how do I learn Facebook ads and how do I make a course? Guess what? Both of those are very teachable. Now you introduce a flood of new entrants into every market. All right. That means the free stuff on YouTube, everything's leveled up. Free stuff on YouTube is top notch in terms of production quality, which by the way, has never been my strength, right? So I've never really tried to play that game in terms of any new business ventures to like compete. I was going to start teaching guitar. As you know, Davey, I quit doing that. Not because I'm not capable of teaching guitar, but because it is so much harder now to build a brand from ground zero. When you look at the market and the competitive landscape, so you have a flood of new competitors and content in which we have better tools than ever, click funnels. I mean, it's easy to go ahead and, you know, there's no tech issues anymore. You have rising ad costs. It's literally the perfect storm, period. So what that means is, and how I view this now is essentially all the easy money's gone. It's been gone, right? And people are still going to be, and, and let's be real. You know, back in my day when I was first starting, when I was making 50 grand a year at my day job, if I made 50 grand in quote unquote passive income selling a course on the side, that's killer. And, and people are still going to be able to do that. But for people that want to, because that's easy. If you have an audience, you can always monetize them. But I speak in a little bit, I think, extreme sometimes, like literally, I think everyone's going to get equalized here in 2021. Because everyone is, A, their perception is that making money online is easy. B, they may go and have this unrealistic level of confidence because they bought a course about email list building or product launch formula with people that have been teaching the same shit that they had that worked 10, 5, 10 years ago. It doesn't, once again, tactics still work. They just don't work as good. And they only work as good as the business that you've set up can support it. So once again, could I make product launch formula still work when I go ahead and have a, you know, a $10,000 for simple math, you know, group coaching program? Yeah, of course. Cause I have, I have, I have price on my side and LTV on my side. Could I make that same thing work if I'm slinging guitar, how to play your guitar for $49 and that's it? No, I can't. So the way to do it is you have to look at and craft out your entire product suite of services. And I say a suite because that may be, you know, that may be a course, but it may also have a virtual event as your higher, higher ticket thing. It may be a group coaching program. It may be, it's literally, I think that's the number one thing is you have to do it all. That doesn't mean you do it all on every social media. I think that would be sort of stupid, but you have to at least have the range of services. And I know this isn't revolutionary and it's been talked about before and with different terms, depending on who you follow. But I think before it wasn't necessary. Now it is. And then the byproduct of that is 
I think the, the skill that's going to be needed now more than ever is to know your damn numbers and understand how much does it cost to get a customer, how much are they worth, and at what point are you break even. And that is something that no one is teaching. Luckily for me and Jesse, it's stuff we've geeked out on forever. And these are things that are now going to be, it's like the things that made people millions before are now prerequisites. So the playing field's been level. Yeah. I think that's, I think a lot of what you're saying is fascinating. I mean, being in the, having come from a one-on-one service background and having moved into the, the digital world, a lot of what I hear from people, you know, especially on the website side of things, people come to us and they're rebuilding a website and they want to build out, you know, the education side of their right, business. Right. And they all think that I've been working so hard and, you know, there's this, this, if I build it, they will come. Yeah. yeah you know, and I, just, I know if I put this page up on my website, like things are going to just, you know, they're going to get better. I, I would love to make some passive income, yeah. you know, things like that. And, and, you know, I, I never want to discourage somebody from, you know, sure. going that route and offering a digital product. But I do try to explain to people like, hey, this is like build, this is building another business. You know, like just because you oh, yeah. are su- successful, I don't know, insert whatever, just because you launch a course on it, you know, at the same time. And first of all, you're probably serving a different clientele. You're going from serving people who need that service to then trying to serve people who are also providing that service. So it's like a you know, you have to build an audience again. And and what you're going to find is that this is another business. Like you are building another business while trying yeah. to run your other business. Don't have any ideas that this is just going to be a walk in the park. So I do appreciate a lot of what you're saying here. Uh, you know, and I, again, just a lot of what you're saying resonates in terms of things are just a lot better than they were in years right. past. One of the interesting things you talk about though, is a product suite, something that actually Jesse and I've had and Ryan have had conversations about as we you know, think through different products. By product suite, do you mean really products that are related to one another, but are, are tiered, you know, like basically a, a way to bring people up the value ladder? Or are these, or, or can they be, you know, sort of unrelated products in the same niche, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, horizontal versus vertical. vertical. Yeah. I think all the above, right? Like everything is, is on the table. The point is, is basically, you know, if I'm going to have to pay to get a customer, what else could I give them value with? How else could I serve them? You know, Cole's Classroom, we, one thing I didn't mention before, how did we try and slow down churn? I built the damn software that literally I gave away for free to our members. And, and it was a software that unfortunately wasn't useful to 100% of our members. But for those that it was useful for, they loved it. Right. So my point is not to step back to that conversation, but more to say that was easily something that I could have monetized. Right. It still served the same purpose, though. So we gave it away for free. But the byproduct of that is our people were worth more because I was giving them more value. So if I was an ad, if let's just pretend that I'm a Facebook ad agency and all I do is Facebook ads, one thing that I would be doing is I would look at acquiring an SEO agency. Jesse, and I would also, <laughs> oh, yeah. I would also, we've already talked about this, but I would also look at acquiring a maybe social media agency, right? Because we know, and then I would look at if we, you know, offering a la carte services for email copyright. And I'm sure you guys are smart and already, that's probably already in your roadmap. The point is, is to Jesse's point, whether it's vertical or horizontal, the question that anyone who's listening just needs to ask themselves is, 
where else are my customers buying stuff? Period. And I sold Cole's Classroom, you know, 18 months ago. So I am no longer at the helm on that. But I had um, plenty of grand plans related to further monetizing them. Because the truth is, is if they're coming to me for education, they're going somewhere else for certain softwares. They're also buying gear. Where in pretty much every kind of business, people can't seem to buy enough gear. So that's what I mean by like, I think the biggest to sort of make a, a succinct statement about like then and now, back then, being having an online business, it was predominantly having a great online product. It wasn't, you didn't have to have a business. You can't do that anymore, right? Back then, you can run ads and make money right out of the gate. You didn't have to dip into the negative. Now, some people, not everyone, are going to have no choice but to go negative. And most people are going to be scared shitless to do that. So they either won't scale at all because they can't. But the ones that thrive are going to be the ones that realize, oh, wait, this is like a real business now. And by the way, if you want to go and have a business in a box and a franchise, they're gonna, you're going to have to put 250 to 400 grand out. And it's going to be a while before you make your money back. Let's put that in perspective. But I think that's the thing is the idea of passive income is, is, is laughable now. And that's okay. The one, this is a, the pandemic combined with everything else we chatted about is going to be the real equalizer. And it's going to make people have to level up or play small. Yeah. And that's an interesting point too, just even about the pandemic and the flood of new people that are coming into the online space just from either tragically losing jobs or being right. at home and having and you know having opportunities to start such businesses. With rising ad costs, starting a new business, any tips for, you know, how do you get in front of how do you start building that audience at as low ad costs as possible in 2021? Is Facebook still the platform to be on, you know, at, at least in the foreseeable future? I mean, I think so for sure. I mean, from an audience building standpoint, you know, you still can't beat how wide of a net you can cast and really just get your word or your education out there. I'm purposely spending a lot of time on Clubhouse, but then again, I'm not trying to build a, I don't have a business. My next business is not going to be where I need to sell over half a million orders like I did with Cole's Classroom. I just need to have 20 and then 50 and then 100 or whatever it is, great consulting clients that I can coach. So first and foremost, once again, it depends. That being said, if I, I absolutely do plan to continue to use Facebook because why the heck wouldn't you? I think the difference is going to be, especially with all this Apple stuff and, you know, and even back with, I don't know now if it was a year or two years ago, but when all the, they already had removed a lot of targeting options, remember? The algorithm one day just changed. And we went from getting like great results to not as great results. And that never really recovered, at least in my opinion. But I think now one of the key things that's going to be required is we aren't going to have it on a silver platter to like get the perfect audience just from inside an ads manager. So A, they're going to have to either be very smart and do themselves. B, hire experts like you and Jesse to do it for them. But then in either case... I think personally, one of the best things we can do, and this is what I'm doing on Clubhouse, is you have to basically cast a wide net, but then still segment and target the audience in a niche way. And you can do that with the topic. 
So I think that's going to be more important as we lose conversion data, tracking, whatever, it's going to just change a little bit. I think one thing to add there too, that's kind of important talking about some of the changes coming up. And and I think that we're going to have an episode coming up just solely on, on that, if I'm if I remember that right, Davey. But one thing we have to remember is that these updates aren't making people leave Facebook. Like as long as there are people on Facebook, we are going to be able to get in front of people. I think that as we lose maybe the the smartness of the ads or the the effectiveness of, of the targeting or the look like audiences or the cool features that we've gotten used to on Facebook, as maybe the effectiveness of those diminishes, that's where your copy, I mean, back in the day, like copy and, and, and creative was so important because you did have to cast a wide net. You had to make sure that you're getting in front of people with that right for getting their attention because Facebook wasn't able to do that heavy lifting. Um, so I think that we're going to see a big shift to really needing to make sure that you do that before you start seeing, you know, similar results that you were seeing before. But, you know, good news is that people aren't going anywhere on Facebook. We're still going to be able to reach those people. We just may not be able to rely so much on the data that Facebook was getting previously if we lose some of that in the Apple's update coming up. Yeah. Right. And to add to that, everyone, you know, once again, what are the things that are never going to change to Jesse's point? People are still going to have pain points. They're still going to have problems. (laughs) They're still going to have aspirations. And, and it's, it's up to, to be a good business person where I was going to say marketer, but I, um, I think we all need to think of ourselves as not marketers, but business people is you have to know how to talk to them and elicit a reaction. The people that are going to get screwed are going to be the ones that are going to be very overly confident or even at times arrogant in thinking that things that just said earlier, you know, if you create it, it'll come right. Hey, I'm going to make the perfect ad. It's going to look so beautiful and it's going to be the best product ever. Like this is different than like the other hundred out there because well, it's, it's just better. Like I'm a better teacher and we got great customer support because guess what? Nobody gives a shit on the ad side that don't know you. Right. And it's like insurance. They don't know that they need your thing until they've already started going through it. So, you know, to the extent that Facebook ads are getting approved and not rejected because of too good of copywriting, which I know is a struggle nowadays. It's yes. I think one of the lost arts, not not lost arts, but one of, I think, the things that I'm the most sort of get fired up about is this whole feeling of, of balancing brand versus conversion, right? And, and there's a spectrum there. There's brand on one side, which is let the product do the talking, for lack of better words, and like, here's who we are, and, and you should love us and give us your money. And then there's the like, hey... Are you struggling? Are you, are, are you tired of waking up every day and looking at the mirror and wishing that you were and keep saying that you need to lose five pounds? Yeah, me too. But and then I found this, you know, and, and this actually worked. And obviously I, I purposely gave a health related thing because A, I just described myself, but B, um, that's something everyone can relate to. But the lost art is learning how to talk to people in a way that hits them at an emotional level that makes them want to take action, period. Yeah. So I have two more questions as we wrap up here. Both are uh, somewhat unrelated to what we've just talked about. Jesse, do you have anything to follow up with? Any questions that that I left outstanding about uh, that are maybe a little bit more relevant to the topics we were discussing? I don't think so. I think we talked about those things pretty pretty in depth. Yeah. As always, I mean, just... 
every time I, every time we talk call, there's always just, you know, at least one thing where I walk away and I'm just, you know, start buzzing with ideas. But anyways, I want to, I want to ask you about two things. One, I want to ask you about the worst business advice you ever received, because that's just a, a question that we like to ask our guests. But before I get to that, so I can give you a second to think about that. You mentioned Clubhouse a couple of times. Jesse and I have uh, recently got on Clubhouse. I've joined some, some rooms. I haven't created any rooms yet. What's your initial initial thoughts on Clubhouse? And two, any predictions as to whether this might be sort of the next big thing? Like, do you think this is going to have some longevity to it? Or do you think it's going to be, you know, one of those many social media apps that... The next Periscope. Yeah, get, get, a lot of, get a lot of fire at first and then just kind of flame out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how big it'll get. I see there's some really, really great things with Clubhouse and some really time sucky kinds of elements to it also that I don't like for someone like me, it's perfect because it's allowing me to very fast help people and um, build some influence because up until, uh, well, I've always been just a behind the scenes guy. So for anyone who hasn't been in the same room as me, or in our case, you know, shared a vacation in Lake Tahoe together where we talk business and stuff or mastermind, they don't really know what, what, how I can help them. So for me, I'm, I jumped in fast, I should say, because I saw potential to create my own influence. And once again, before you can sell anything, before you can help anyone, you need an audience. I had no audience, period, other than the handful of people that know me in my own personal network. So I'm building a great audience on there. Every single day, I try and go on there and give value. And, and, and the best thing that I'm finding out is to get in there, it's sort of double-edged sword because if you don't have any influence, when you create a room, there's nobody there. So that's sort of not, not good. But then if you, it's hard to join in on other people's conversations than the big rooms. So it's sort of like, think again on Facebook, like wide net, for, wide, casting a wide net versus being very specific. And I'm trying to sort of be somewhere in that more specific, but have enough room that there's a good conversation. And if you can do that, then I think it's a very cool and novel app. And I, I told Jesse yesterday, I said, for anyone who's like in a service business or consulting or group coaching, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be huge. And I think that because it's like well, every time I had an idea of doing a podcast without the production, right? So it's an easy way to execute fast. And I think the best thing with audio and podcasts is it's very relatable. People, it's inherently very, uh, there's a lot of connection with just listening to somebody's voice. So I don't know. I don't know where it'll go. The most frustrating part about it is some of these big rooms, like on the business side, I, I, I'm tired of seeing all the rooms, like here's how to make your next, you know, here's how to go from zero to a million dollars. Right. And, and of course there's a flood of people in there, but in those kinds of rooms, it's really just everyone, I think on the back end slinging their services, you know, and it's a, just a one big biz op and, everyone's trying to be the top dog in there with the most followers. So I don't have any interest in those rooms and I'm using topics to sort of self curate and self segment the people that are showing up to a room. And instead of having 300 people in a room, if I can get 30 to 60 in there and they really, really resonate and dig with what I'm saying, then they're the ones that are messaging me on Instagram and wanting to work together. So I don't know. I, I have a feeling within six months, we'll know if it really is here to stay or not. Yeah. I think one of the things I appreciate about it or I just enjoy about it is it's similar to a podcast in, in that I can have it on 
in the background and work or, you know, whatever, and just sort of casually listen in, you don't have the same, you know, you don't have to figure out like what player you're going to use, you know, so to speak. So there's that right. like, social aspect to it. So you're not having like iTunes or Spotify or whatever, whatever up even. And, you know, from a podcasting perspective, and Jesse and I have talked about this is, you know, you could get on there and basically host a, a live podcast and give people the opportunity maybe to ask questions live and, you know, contribute to the discussion that way. And so hopefully not only just serving people, you know, in real time, like you were mentioning, but then also something you can pop up later. That's, that's even better than it was if you were to just record a, a podcast episode. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity even for, let's say wedding photographers. I'm sure there's plenty that'll be listening to this, you know, and I've been thinking about this. It's like, if you're a photographer on there, you can join some rooms. What if there was a room about, you know, planning your wedding? Now, obviously in a pandemic, that's probably a little bit on the lighter side these days. But and you as a photographer, you can become the expert and be giving all these new, newly engaged people advice on wedding or wedding planning, right? Start going in there. And I think that's just like, once again, to your point, Davey, it's like, you're used to one-on-one service and a lot of people are like, oh, I'm tired of the grind of one-on-one service. Like, I need to like, scale right and i think the days once again like i like to zig when others are zagging the days when we're flooding in and trying to sell products and passively make money it's flipping i'm in clubhouse every single day now spending my time to build an audience right and i'll also will spend money to do the same but the ones who are going to win in 2020 and beyond this next decade are going to be the ones who are really have a nice integration and overlap with hands-off kinds of products, once again, product suite, and hands-on touch points. So that's, I guess that's all I'll say about that is people are going to have to be okay with hustling, hustling. Yeah. And luckily, there's plenty of us out there that are happy to hustle. Yeah, absolutely. One episode we'll have to record with you down the line or one conversation we'll have to have on Clubhouse maybe is building a business that doesn't completely destroy your life, you know, or, and what I mean is yeah. just balancing the two, right? And that's something yeah. that you've absolutely been able to do. So wrapping up here, worst business advice that you've ever received. What do you think? I'll admit, I, nothing really comes to mind on the worst, which I, I don't want this sure. to be out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it and share because otherwise I'll just stay here forever just thinking and pull something <laughs> out my butt. I don't want to do that. I mean, honestly, I, it, it hasn't been... Two things. The worst thing that worst advice hasn't been given to me, but the worst thing that we've already talked about a little bit that I see businesses make. The worst thing that I see businesses do is have the overly confident attitude that if we build a great product, it'll come and and ignore the fact of you need to go build an audience, right? Um, so that's probably the the number one thing that most people sort of get wrong. I think one of the best pieces of advice I've I've had. I have a handful of these, but one of them that's been sticking out in my head lately is that something can probably relate to is those that have shiny object syndrome and have all as an entrepreneur, you're like, Hey, I can do this and I can do this. And trust me, I've been there too. One of the best things I did with Cole's classroom was keep my head down. And as fast as something maybe came up as another business venture for a variety of reasons, I was able to shut it down fast or fail fast. And the reason why is Derek Halpern one day told me, he says, You're, why are you doing, why are you going to start something new? It'll be way easier for you to make another million in the business that you already have than a million with something brand new from scratch. So lately that one's been speaking to me a little bit. So I wanted to share that. Uh, insert the number, it doesn't have to be a million. 
if, you know, if you're already at 500 K a year in your business and life's good, but then now you have all these other course ideas to do, maybe figure out how to take that 500 to 1 million and then 2 million. Because I know for a fact, if I divested my attention and took my eye off of growing close classroom, I may have never got the acquisition and, and exit that I, that I did. So I think that's a good one. Yeah, well, I'm glad you flipped it and uh, and gave us that because I think that's probably going to be way more beneficial to people than hearing about the worst advice you've ever received. <laughs> I, I literally didn't have it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, tell people where they can they can learn more about you, uh, where they can can connect with you, and of course, we will make sure that the show notes have all of the different resources that you offer that I encourage people to go and check out and consume. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I appreciate just honestly talking about this stuff and the time. So thanks for having me. My own personal website is would be the best home base for people to get in touch, colehumphis.com. But I know instead of me spelling it to you, I know you'll have it in the show notes. Yeah, the show notes. So that'll make it easy for them. But thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for your time. All right. Chat soon. <laughs>